This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The Manage Smarter Show is brought to you by SalesQuit, the sales skill-building solution that empowers sales teams worldwide to multiply sales opportunities by improving perception, accelerating trust building, and by earning repeat business. Get the best-selling book by C. Lee Smith, download the free mobile app, and now sign up for the SalesCred Masterclasses. Book your session now at salescred.com. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. Today, Lee, we are joined by a terrific leader. We haven't had her on the show before. She is a 2020 award from Synopsis Media, naming her as a top woman in media. And media is kind of something that Sales Fuel is obviously very involved in. We want to talk to her about the current landscape for women in business and her recommendations for how to manage smarter, hence the name of the show. Manage Smarter. Welcome, everyone. I'm Audrey Strong, Vice President of Communications here at SalesFuel. And I'm Celie Smith. I am the founder and CEO of SalesFuel. And you are anxious to talk to Marianne Pruitt because she's so involved in media buying and our worlds overlap with her, correct? Absolutely. Can't wait. All right. So Marianne Pruitt, CEO and President of Mosaic Media, joins us at the microphones today. Mosaic Media is a collection of media buying experts and creative strategists who negotiate, purchase, and monitor advertising, space, and airtime. She's here today to share some marketing wisdom gleaned from her extensive career in media strategy and how it relates to the ever-evolving climate of media. Marianne, thank you for coming today. We sure appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on. I think we're going to have a great interview, great time. Well, let's start with this top woman in media. So you're a female leader. What do you see post-COVID 2023? What's it looking like to you for our peer group? I think, you know, female leaders and women leaders, what we really did was we actually thrived during COVID. We show our we showed our strengths. We showed um, that we are very versatile. We're very flexible. We are able to accomplish anything once we put our mind to it. Um, and genuinely, deep down inside, we all have a little superpower that we just have to learn how to tap into. And things that take place in crisis, we tap into that superpower pretty easily and go into it. So I think in COVID, women actually thrived. Coming out of COVID and towards the end of 2022, um, what we have seen is women taking taking note of, I need to make sure that I'm healthy and strong also, because we worked really, really hard to get out of a uh, pandemic and getting our families and balance, everything, work, all the above. We had so many things to survive. And frankly, we survived, in my opinion, and we uh-huh. Took things a lot further than what we thought. So now we're facing kind of a feel of burnout and we need to take a step back and kind of breathe. Female Women leaders are feeling that across the board. But at the same time, we also see ahead of us a looming recession. So we don't want to really take that time to breathe. So we're kind of taking like microcosm bites of 
relaxation time and understanding the real true um, importance of taking care of ourselves. But we are also, we haven't, we haven't taken our foot off the gas. We've kept going. We have very ambitious goals. We're ready to go. Um, And frankly, nothing's going to stop us from those goals, not even a recession. So there's so many things I think COVID taught us that we can, like, I love to use that term to thrive. We can not only survive this, but we can thrive in things. And women were able to show their strengths during this time of a pandemic. What is, what's the main challenge that, that that female leaders have that male leaders may not have right think, now? Yeah, right now it's balance of life um, more than our male counterparts. And not that men don't have that, men do. Um, I think we feel a larger sense of responsibility to make sure that every single individual in our lives is taken care of, whether it be employees, whether it be our children, whether it be our parents, whether whomever it is, um, our spouses, we feel this obligation and responsibility to make sure everyone is taken care of. Uh, and frankly, that's what makes women amazing leaders. We're mm-hmm. empathetic. We have um, those character traits naturally. Um, not that men don't have that. It's just not their natural trait to think in that manner. And not that they don't have those pressures. There's plenty of men that do have those pressures, but we kind of take those pressures by the throat and go after them. And so sometimes we get in our own way of making sure that our cup is full before we start pulling our pouring our cups into everybody else and making yeah. sure that we're taken care of first. Yeah. Put your oxygen mask on first, right? <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right. We forget that. We forget there's a reason why um, we need to take care of ourselves, even if it's 15 to 30 minutes a day, which all of us have jam-packed days. We're traveling constantly. Now, I mean, now that the pandemic is over and really like, things are reopening and that things are really behind us on that sense, it nothing slowed down. And we never really got that slow down time t- frame or that breathing time frame. And we definitely have to put that oxygen mask on first for us, even if it's in these microcosm bites. Like it's okay to take little bites of time to take care of yourself. Exercise for that 30 minutes a day. Do your morning readings that, you know, meditate in the morning. Do that morning routine that gets it out of the way so that you then have the rest of the day to accomplish what you need to do. Yeah. That was going to be my next question is what are some of the things that you tell your team at Mosaic to be doing or take a walk or something, right? I mean, absolutely. So first thing, own your morning. Mornings are key. Own your morning. Don't roll out of bed and just go straight to the computer. Wake up in a time and have a routine for your morning that then sets up the rest of the day for success. My morning looks like, you know, meditation, reading, Um, actually scripting, writing some things down, writing my thoughts first thing in the morning, um, and then exercise, go into that mindset, have a good 30 minutes to an hour routine before everyone else is up before everyone else gets moving forward on, on their day. Um, women are good at that. Women are very good at, okay, everybody's still in bed. I'll get up. I'll make sure everything's good. I'll make sure that I have my day set forward. And we feel so much more accomplished when we have our, when we own that morning. But Lee and I are not morning people. What do you do if you're not a morning person? I mean, I'm serious. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. No, totally serious. I'm not going to lie. I'm just like, no. yeah. I mean, I, I work 10 to 7 every day. So that, and that's, that's my, you world. know, and honestly, own that too. So if your day is 10 to 7, that's okay for you to either get up a little bit earlier to set your day or, or shift it for what benefits you. Like I'm a true morning person, absolute true morning person. <laughs> Always have been. I think it's because I grew up on a farm. It's just the way oh, we are. Wow. <laughs> we're, we're wired like that. Um, but uh, if you're an evening person, like my husband's an evening person. And so like my, I always tell him and what he, his rhythm and his routine is 
actually to do some of those things at night, right before he goes to bed. So then when he yeah. wakes up in the morning, he's now ready to go and accomplished to set the day forward. So it's having, it's what your routine is that will accomplish what you want to do, accomplish in a day in the middle of the day to get out in nature. I don't care how cold it is. Yeah. I don't care how rainy it is. I don't care any of those things. Find time. Even if it's right after dinner, even if it's right before dinner, find time to get out in nature because that also helps us um, just stay focused and stay balanced. And I'll tell you, you get your best ideas when you do that. When you step away from your computer, when you step away from things as leaders, we get our best ideas when we step away just for a few minutes. Yeah, I want to bring this conversation into your world uh, of media buying and everything like that. So uh, I'm thinking about managers then that, that lead a media sales team or uh, directors at an agency and everything like that. What do they really need to know about dealing with a media buyer that perhaps many of them don't know? Well, here's here's a big thing that I'm talking about a lot lately, and this affects how we're doing media buys, but also who our media buyers are. So for the first time in American history, we have five working generations. We've never had that before. We have five generations in the workplace that have spending capabilities. So these are our employees, and these are also the people that we're targeting our ads for. So when you are working with your team, knowing the strengths by generation of where they should be um, in their buying process, who should be in the traditional buying, that doesn't mean that younger people shouldn't be in our traditional buying teams. Um, it doesn't mean that older people can't be in the digital buying teams. It's knowing where their strengths are in that. But generationally speaking, all of your buyers right now really should be paying attention to what the generational makeup is of your target audience. That's kind of the test. If you're an agency, if you are a um, in-house team and you're outsourcing it, whatever you're doing or you're keeping it in-house, all of your media buyers need to be looking at our target audiences segmented and more siloed than we have in the past. We've always lumped some everybody into a demographic. And now we need to be looking at as individuals as personas. Who are we actually targeting and how are we targeting? Um, your media team needs to be looking at programmatic. What are, what are you doing in targeting and programmatic? And I mean programmatic outside of Google, not Facebook. I mean genuine DSP targeting demographics and targeting personas um, in programmatic. And that's that's where we have to start heading and thinking. So our media teams, that's what we need to be looking at. Are they staying up on those things? Are they um are they ahead of the times? Media is changing every day. Every day yeah. there's a new thing. Every day there's a new thing we can do. Uh, and so we have to stay up on those things, whether it's traditional now that we can buy programmatically or whether it's programmatic that now I have more platforms that I can buy on, um, whether it's social and now I can't target as much as I can on social. So what am I using social for? So staying up on those trends, but also knowing generationally how we're targeting our customers and generationally how our buyers can be very educated and what that generational makeup looks like. How do we build out our plans for that? What's your stance then on psychographics? So, for example, I always thought that if, that if you're selling garden supplies or garden tools or something like that, I don't care so much about reaching baby boomers or, or, or Gen Zs or anything like that or male, female, whatever. I want to reach gardeners. Yeah. What, what, what's your stance on that? That's where programmatic is. So now mm. what, what the great benefit is when I started in media over 25 years ago, we had demographics to target and that's it. That's all we could do. And we would put them lump mm -hmm. sum women, 18 to 54. Well, yeah. 
Seriously, yeah. even 25 years ago, the 18-year-old woman and the 54-year-old woman were not consuming media the same way. And even more so now, I mean, think about all the brand impressions that were taking place 25 years ago for the average consumer to today, right? So psychographics are absolutely something that we need to be bringing into this. But we have the beauty of being able to marry demographic with psychographic, right? So I can say, yes, I want to target that woman that's between the ages of 35 and 45, but she's a gardener. She may be a mom and is a soccer mom that's driving an SUV. Like what are the things that she can do that she's doing that now I can take programmatic targeting and true programmatic targeting to be able to find those things out. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing that frankly, enough marketers are not taking advantage of. Some of the the big brands have figured this out. um, A lot of even some smaller brands, but in today's world, this is the beautiful thing. And this is the future of media. And this is where we have to be doing this is it's your demographic with your psychographic put together to develop a persona. We know from our business, Sales Fuel and our media sales expertise and what you're talking about that the landscape is fracturing and splitting and changing in real time Yep. in almost, you know, weekly. So uh, knowing that that can be quite a stressful space and for your team to be working in, what are some of the ways that you manage that with your folks keeping up on the professional development and reduce your turnover where they're just like, this is too much for me. I can't keep up with this. It's education and it's also, it comes from the top down, right? So if we at the top are not keeping up on what is going on, we can't expect our team to. Um, And that's in anything management wise. I'm a big believer that uh, you have to eat and breathe what you're selling as well and what you are putting out into, into the world to do so that then your team can. And also as leaders, we can also learn from our team and ask our team those questions. So what I like to do is pose a challenge to my team about once a week. um, That is, hey, these are questions I'm getting in the field. These are questions that I'm getting while I'm talking to people. What are things you have? Here are some thoughts I have, but what are some thoughts you have? And as leaders, when we ask questions that are open-ended and we actually provide an environment where they feel they can shine and they feel that they can look like they know what they're talking about and they have that education piece, but it also opens it up to, hey, I want you to go research this. I want you to go educatively think about this piece of information. And all of a sudden you'll see them thrive and you'll see them open up, but they want to shine. They want to thrive. They want to show that they have their expertise and you allow them to have that platform to do so. So that's what I like to do is open up questions, open up things of, hey, this is the question I got this week. These are some questions that I'm hearing in the field. What are some other, like, is there anything you guys are hearing? But I really like to put it in that sense because I'm out and about and I'm talking about it, right? And Mm -hmm. I talk to people and I'm training people and I go through and, you know, doing keynotes, doing various things on this. Um, The various questions, they really vary by group, but they're all, you see patterns in them. So I take that back to my team of, these are my thoughts, but I want to hear your thoughts. What do you think? And what I find is that actually opens up education for them. That actually opens up that they recognize, hey, she wants me to learn. She wants me to develop. And when we feed and fuel our team, the turnover problem fixes itself. When we show them that they are valuable, when they show them that they um, are part of the team and that they they contribute and they're part of it and they we want them to contribute, that's where you have that lack of turnover because you get that loyalty back because you're pro- you're providing loyalty back to them as well. And also in today's world, 
We're not stuck in the golden rule anymore. We treat others where you want to be treated. We need to treat others how they want to be treated and not just how we want to be treated. Right. So, and generationally, that's a big thing that we see each generation mm-hmm. has different. Um, and I, I break it out and say, you know, we have our macro behaviors as a generation, but then we have all these micro cosms that are within each generation that each individual wants to be treated differently. Not only do they buy different things, but their buying process is different. You know, a lot of times based on the generations is what we're seeing there. And you know, the other thing that, that we're seeing, Marianne, is that uh, a lot of, of our large media clients uh, and, and legacy media, traditional media, like broadcast TV, radio, yep. even newspaper for that matter, is like they're not dead. Uh, actually, what they're doing is they're making a shift then. So they're combining their traditional media with things like over-the-top television, which is That's like exactly your right. streaming TV channels and everything like that. So is that something that you're seeing with your clients as well? Absolutely. So traditional media is not dead. It's a matter of how you need to use each platform to its strength. That's where I like to come in and say, okay, look, that it, we're consuming some of the traditional platforms in different ways, depending on which generation we're targeting, right? But at the same time, let's use it for its strength. Broadcast television is still fantastic when it comes to local news and when it comes to live events. Use broadcast for its strength. That's a strength. But then let's pair it together with CTV and over the top. And let's pair that together then to target even better our target audience and focus in on that. So when we pair the two together and we're able to bring those two together, we're actually getting a force multiplier on our plans, right? As opposed to, it doesn't need to be this bucket or the other. This is why, you know, my team, we still have a full traditional team. We have a full social team. We have a Google and Bing, that portion of the team. And then the programmatic team, because programmatic has to play back into that. That's where I can take the broadcast and then put the programmatic on top of that to target that persona even deeper. So if I'm looking at live news and I'm trying to reach that gardener, but then I target them with display and OTT and pre-roll and various things programmatically based on the data that I know that they're a gardener, then I'm able to have that full multiplier and that omni-channel approach. I should probably mention that I am a vegetable gardener. <laughs> hey, just you coming know, after me, Mary. We're, we're going to serve those ads. It's going to happen. <laughs> Is there, there any thought that, that you have it with your business on the B2B versus B2C space and any challenges you see in that? Because we're very much B2B and I imagine you are too. Yeah. Again, yeah, we, we, yeah, yeah, we see a lot of, we, we see a lot of people that are, uh, you know, pitching us, advertising and marketing, everything like that, and trying to fit us into the 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 B to C cycle, yeah, and, and exactly. going after that. As I like, that's not us, and that's 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 not our clientele. That's not how uh, their buying journey is, or whatever. So it doesn't quite fit for us. It's very frustrating on the well, on the and, client end. Yeah, and we actually don't want that, right? Like that's we need to get back to that B to B and B to C are totally different, mm-hmm. and we know that, and we've known that forever, right? Mm-hmm. So. Our plans need to match that. So when you're trying to put a B2B plan, um, but you're cookie cuttering B2C concepts and B2C things, and you're trying to go over the, you're you're going over the top of brand shotgun approach of reaching, that's not actually how you should be doing it. But in today's world, we have this amazing opportunity to target. So let's let's take a step back of all the things that we're talking about of how to pair generational with pro, or traditional with programmatic and taking that generational approach. When I look at B2B, 
So let me find out, let's see where the best strengths are, right? Of where I'm targeting B2B. There are certain platforms that are great. And then how do I add programmatic on top of that? Well, guess what? I can I can actually target in programmatic if I'm using it correctly. I can target a job title by profession. And then that brings in that B2B, that next level. So it takes all these other things that I'm doing of building content to reach B2B, of building information, being that thought leader. And now I'm going to layer programmatic on top of that so that then they're taking all my content that I'm developing. They're taking all these things that I can see. And now I'm going to target in a programmatic space by job title and by job profession of what they're doing and business type. So let's use all the strengths of the media that we need to do and know that there's a difference between B2B and B2C, right? And not cookie cutter this. And actually in today's world, we should not be cookie cuttering anything. Anymore. Anything, no. Nothing. Yeah. yeah. And so I wanted to ask, my last question for you is, uh, let, let's put, let's look future, uh, into the future now. It's like, so what kind of role do you expect AI to have in media buying and in marketing in general? Well, it's going to be a significant role. So this is something that I am very much uh, in on the top of and trying to stay ahead of. So we've been using AI um, internally for about three to four years, probably longer than that. But I would say like actually aggressively looking at AI before the pandemic, even we were really focusing in on that. If in media, you're not using AI at this point, um, you are behind the trend. Find a partner that is so that you can get caught up in that. Um, AI is going to drastically change how we buy. Um, it already has. Programmatic is a form of AI. So mm -hmm. we've been using this for a while. Now, again, find a good partner that's in programmatic. Don't just find any partner. I, I preach this all day long. Um, don't Just don't go to certain vendors. Just find a true partner that has that direct seat, that knows how to operate uh, AI, knows how to optimize to it because machines are not perfect. Um, humans are not perfect either. So, but mm -hmm. we definitely want to make sure that we have um, that AI capability moving forward. But AI is changing across the board. It's not, so I like to equate this. So I do a lot of this generational training and various things about, you know, the generations and the big difference in the millennial generation is actually when the internet became available to the majority of consumers, right? The government had the internet since the sixties, but then the World Wide web became available to everybody in the late nineties. That's the change that we saw significantly. And that made a generational change right now, fast forward to where we are now, government entities have been using AI for generations for decades. But now we as consumers and we as marketers now have the availability of doing it, whether it's chat GPT, whether what all, whatever it is that we're using, it's now more massly available. And we so it's definitely on the forefront. So, yes, it's changing um, media, but we have to embrace it. We have to be OK with it. Um, and, and I'm not scared of it. In my mind, it's more efficient. It allows us to be more efficient as buyers. It allows us to gather the data that we need to gather. It allows us to get the information that we need to get. And it allows us to then utilize the data that we're gathering, not just sit on it and do things with it. So AI um, is here to stay, obviously, but we need to embrace it. Interesting. So find and vet, vet heavily an yes. AI partner. And for people who want to partner with you, Marianne, how do you want them to reach out to you? 
Yeah, so that you can reach me directly on our website, which is mosaic.agency and it's forward slash contact that comes straight to my email. I'm also on Twitter at Media Maps and then on LinkedIn, Marianne Pruitt. And you can find me there. I love to just talk. If you have any questions about media, if you have any questions about media and AI, generational makeup, um, I'm here to answer questions and I'm here to help. So it, feel free to reach out at any point. Sounds good. Thanks for being on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was fun. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.